is up Bruin Bible listeners as I was coughing through the original intro <laughs> Will Decker your host here at the Madman uh, we are brought to you guys by our great sponsors today at Bet Online and Underdog Fantasy make sure to use that promo code UCLA LAFB to get a match up in your amount that you deposit to $500 we got some great bets I know everyone's gonna be talking about the big game we got some bets going on this week for Underdog Fantasy so make sure to check that out at uh, using the promo code UCLA LAFB, man, myth, and legend to my right, as always. We are gearing up, we will be meeting in Vegas tomorrow, Sin City. Man, it's gonna be a really crazy Super Bowl 49ers and Chiefs, gonna be a lot of fun. How are we feeling on the eve of this fun trip for LAFB to get out there with the fam? No, oh, feeling great, Thriller. Obviously, we're all, you and me and, and the rest of kind of the core LAFB team is going to be out there for Super Bowl Radio Row. So always such a great time for all of us to connect and be together. Folks may not realize, but we're many of us are sort of distributed across California, across the country. And so this is always a great opportunity for us to come together, have some great content and coverage, engage with the fans but also it's sort of a retreat of sorts for the LA Football Network. So it's always a very exciting time of the year for us. And so it's, it's you know, it, it's sort of bittersweet thriller. I, I see you on screen, but I can't wait to see you in a few hours, you know, tomorrow. So looking forward to it, but we're going to have tons of fun here tonight. Always a great time when I get to see the madman in person. So really looking forward to a week of hanging and having a lot of fun. Uh, it was a crazy week since we've last talked about UCLA football and I think the biggest storyline coming out of this week was not only was Chip looking around the NFL sniffing, but he had actually interviewed twice for the Raiders offensive coordinator position. And this is per very good sources through Ian Rappaport, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Chip was looking around seriously, and it kind of feels like, you know, the end may not be this season, but it does look like it's on the horizon. And we got to be starting to evaluate who the next coach of UCLA football is going to be moving forward. You guys have probably seen our, you know, previous episodes where we've had coaches that we thought were some of the best around in terms of what they could do and what they could provide UCLA football moving forward. And you couple that with the loss of Deshaun Foster, who went to the Raiders, you know, when Cliff Kingsbury, you know, spurned the Raiders OC job trying to go to the commanders. My mind, I think that's a play to kind of team up with Caleb Williams. I think that's kind of the, the, the thing I got from that, because you just don't turn down OC jobs like that in the last second. Uh, but it really felt like Chip was going to go to Oakland or, excuse me, Las Vegas for a while there. Uh, talk to me about everything that's going on with Chip and the great Deshaun Foster, unfortunately, departing from UCLA. Yeah, well, I'll start with the latter with, with the great Deshaun Foster. And you you and I have talked about it a ton here, Will, about just how high potential he is as, as just a coach of uh, young men from a schematic standpoint, a recruiting standpoint, talent development. He has just been so phenomenal for this program, a great UCLA running back, uh, someone who's had a tremendous career in the NFL and then has decided to come back into coaching. 
and spent the last five, six years at UCLA building up this running game and this program in such a significant way, right, Will? You you mentioned it on Twitter. When you go back to the, the run of running backs, whether it's Charbonnet or Brown or Demetric Felton or Joshua Kelly, on and on the list goes, it really had the, the common linchpin and the common glue was Deshaun Foster. And so what a thrilling day for him in many ways. It's bittersweet, obviously, because we miss him so much. But, Will, I don't think this is goodbye. I think this is sort of see you later because I definitely see a world where down the line, you know, it could be a year or two, it could be more than that. But I eventually see Deshaun Foster coming back home to his alma mater just albeit in a bigger role, whether that is offensive coordinator, whether that is ultimately the head man, because, you know, those are the types of folks that you want in those preeminent positions, alums, folks that understand UCLA have a tremendous passion for it. Those are the ideal coaches that you want to have a long-term, long-run success with the program. So in many ways, Will, it's it's such a sad day, but it is kind of natural when you're such a great, young coach and a young mind it's natural that other folks are going to want you there's going to be a big market for your services and in many ways it's actually sort of a congratulatory item for chip himself i mean think about nick saban and the number of coordinators that sort of pluck from him year after year after year because of the program that he's been with and and other elite coaches so in a lot of ways this is sort of the next step for deshaun foster we're going to miss him tremendously but he's going to have a, a, a lot of success in the NFL, and, and I hope to see him down the road, and I, I believe that we will at some point. With regards to Chip, Will, absolutely. I mean, what a roller coaster it's been. And to be very honest with you, Will, just to be completely clear, I'm not sure the roller coaster is just quite done yet. We know it's close that the Las Vegas Raiders are sort of going in another direction outside of Chip. But until anything has been confirmed, and if anything has taught us the last few days, even when it is confirmed, it can be reversed in the case of Cliff Kingsbury. So we're not quite out of the woods here yet with this situation. It's close. But you just when you look at the whole situation, Will, from the beginning, whether he was linked very early to Bill Belichick and the Falcons, given that relationship, then he was linked very closely to Dan Quinn as a package deal, first with Seattle and then presumably with Washington. Then you saw some chatter with Washington because obviously they went with Cliff Kingsbury, who was at a direct relationship with Caleb Williams, but Chip and Caleb had a very good relationship during the recruiting phase. It just, you know, there was some gaps there in terms of NIL. And then now ultimately seeing Chip uh, interview twice uh, for the Raiders job really does tell you that I think he's keeping his options very open beyond uh, 2024. I think he understands the writing on the wall that UCLA's buyout goes to zero. He understands that the fans aren't that happy. He also understands that I think we're headed for another variation of the NIL world. I think there's a world here in 2024 and 2025 where legislation is going to be passed. There may be a cap on things. There may be uh, players are going to become employees uh, you know, of the university that just happened this, this year uh, and just tonight with Dartmouth as being the first domino. We could see a world where NIL falls inside now the athletic department. So there's a lot of things where more resources are going to be needed moving forward. And I think he's getting a sense fans are are not so happy with him, obviously very frustrated from a recruiting standpoint and whatnot. So I think he senses both ends of it, that maybe the sport is heading to a world that just doesn't align with his skill sets. 
and he can be in a position where he can just be a coordinator moving forward. And so I think there's it, it's both sides where he's he's making sure that he's keeping those relationships warm in the event that 2024 is his last year at UCLA. He can sort of pick up the phone and at least get some interviews and get going there. And and the fact that Martin Jarman hasn't necessarily stopped him from doing that also tells you that this is very much of a, a, a prove it year for Chip. He, he's gotten one more year. We've talked so much about the turnover with the chancellor, possible turnover with Martin Jarman. We talked about the implications of having to pay dead money in terms of salaries after everything that UCLA went through with the regents in the Big Ten. We talked about the support with Casey Wasserman and how financially it didn't feel right to kind of get back in debt yet again after the 51.7. So there was a lot of reasons why Chip was coming back, many of which that weren't necessarily football related, but all of that rubber is going to meet the road at the end of 2024. And I think both sides acknowledge that there's a very real possibility that they may go their separate ways. Now, Chip may come in 24, surprise everyone. Expectations of this team are not as high as they were in 23. He exceeds expectations. There could be a new contract. There could be a new uh, renaissance to his era. But there's also the very real possibility that they move away from each other. And I think we're just seeing the remnants and the building blocks of that taking place. Yeah, the tip of the iceberg about to play out for us with the Chip Kelly saga. And, you know, I'm going to bet that he does have a great year offensively calling football. You know, he's going to need it if he wants to get to that next position in the NFL, right? And we talked about it, man. It's college football now with the NIL and the transfer portal. It is 365 days a year. There's already more of a grind with the recruiting trail. Would you couple that in with the transfer portal and NIL on top of everything? That's why we've got a new GM of recruiting in with Darren Ursher and things like that. So you got a lot of different elements now in college football that was not there when Chip was in his reign at Oregon or even when he started his tenure at UCLA. So just a lot of different moving parts. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how this plays out, you know, 12 months from now to see where we are a year from now with the next head coach at UCLA. I think he actually ultimately does leave, but it'll be interested to see who they bring in next. What are the opportunities at hand where we can maybe bring in a coach? Because, you know, we've, we've talked as a fan base, there was a real opportunity to go get Jonathan Smith and, you know, uh, Jed fish this off, this off season DeBoer, you know, I was actually pretty content with chip, um, you know, coming into this year, you know, he had nine wins. Yes. He, he didn't really play well in the sun bowl, but I was ready to bring him back, you know, as a whole until this season. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of different storylines there. And you mentioned it, man, Deshaun Foster. I mean, pound for pound, this guy was the greatest running backs coach within college football, in my opinion. Yes. So I'll tell you why, man. Like Joshua Kelly, a guy that he got drafted, was a two-star recruit. Uh, Demetric Felton, very low three-star recruit, got him as a wide receiver, made him a running back. You know, that's that's pure teaching at that point to get him to the NFL. Charbonnet was a you know a high four star, but he had to get his confidence back. He fell out a complete favor at Michigan. Then Britton Brown, another low three star recruit. He's turned all these guys into NFL running backs, and he's got his next project, TJ Harden, in the works right now at UCLA. You will not find a better running backs coach than this guy. And you know I'm so excited. We're going to have Carson Steele on at some point. It was supposedly going to be tonight, but I'm very interested in talking to him about what it's like to be coached up by that pedigree of a coach into Sean Foster in the running backs room. So big loss for UCLA, but also a huge congratulations to coach Foster 
nothing but love for him. It was honestly, we probably got him a couple year or two longer than we probably should have, if we're being honest with ourselves. So. No, Will, I think you're absolutely right. You know, his love for UCLA was so strong that I know of, of folks in the program that said he's he's more of a lower key guy. He's more of an introvert. He, he likes just kind of being with his players and kind of his trusted inner circle. And you're absolutely right. I think it was the love for his alma mater and love for his home in UCLA where we got him for a few extra years than, than normal. And we should just be very grateful for it. Right? As Dr. Sue said, right? Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. And I think that's how we feel about Deshaun Foster. And again, I want to double down that I, I think the road is not ended here. I think we're going to see Deshaun Foster down the road back in Westwood, I think, in just in a, in a much larger capacity. Yeah, let's hope so, man. The door will always be open for our boy Deshaun. And weirdly enough, you know, when you have these head coaching, you know, rumors and everything going on, it's usually a terrible time for recruiting. But UCLA landed one of their biggest commitments in the last few years with four-star linebacker Weston Port. This guy's a beast, madman. Six foot two, 225 pounds for the 2025 class. So he's a junior right now. He's going to be a senior next year. This guy had offers from the who's who in college football, man. Your Michigans, your Ohio States, your USC's, your Oklahoma's. I mean, this is very, very telling commitment. I'm, I was very excited that we got a guy like Weston Port. I'm a little, you know, worried about what will happen with the eventual coaching change if Chip does leave. But talk to me about the positivity of this coming in, knowing that we just switched up our entire recruiting strategy with the likes of a Darren Usher doing everything out there for us. Well, Will, I mean, it just goes to show you that the Usher hire is already paying massive dividends, number one. And number two, when you have Ken Norton Jr., you're always going to have a chance, right, in, in terms of that particular position group. And it just goes to show you, Will, that there's just so much here in terms of potential with this program. We've talked about it. it it's been a sleeping giant for 25 years, and every time – this program is able to get a decorated recruit at any position group. You, the question naturally goes, well, why can't we just sort of repeat this on a more consistent basis? Very excited about this to be able to beat out the USC's, to be able to beat out the Ohio States and the Michigans. Will, I think this is going to be absolutely significant. And, and let's be honest, I think there's been a lot of criticism in this offseason about UCLA's recruiting class, ranked 68. That's been the lowest uh, in recent memory. And while there's certainly room for improvement there, no question about it, I think there's one more window here in the transfer portal. You've now got a director of recruiting. Now you're augmenting all of this with transfer portal gets like we talked about. And you're having a pretty high retention rate on both sides of the ball in terms of the roster. So sometimes we have to sort of take context into account. Look, is 68 a great number? But it's not 68 when you're talking about the transfer portal as well, right? And, and that's been an area where UCLA has always been kind of top 10, top 15 over the last couple of years. So now when you can sort of supplement that with such a decorated recruit uh, on the high school side, I think it's just going to continue to evolve that momentum moving forward. Usher has been such a huge hire. And I have to commend Martin Jarman for understanding the blind spots of this program, going in there and making that hire chip for the willingness to say, hey, yeah, this is a weakness for me. Let's have someone come in and let's give that person more autonomy and control over the program and, and be a supplement to the things that I'm good at. So it may not look like it from the outside of these sort of wide sweeping transformational changes, 
but there's been enough incremental steps here, Will, over the last couple of months that I think even you and I have a very different projection of this team than we did even 45 or 50 days ago in terms yeah. of what this roster is coming back. So it's just sort of brick by brick. It's starting to come together here moving forward, and I think we have a lot to be excited about. Yeah, a lot to be excited about, man. And, you know, I agree with the transfer portal method, and we've got a lot of great players from there, but you got to hit every single year. And last year, the offensive line, you know, that was a tough one. But, you know, am I going to be the guy that says, hey, the transfer portal ain't all that when you get Charbonnets and Latus and Mouassaus and guys like that? Of course not. I love the transfer portal. So a lot of talent coming back, man. The offense should be right with that O-line coming back. We got our linebacker, the future, coming in in a year from now. So a lot to look forward to with UCLA on that. A lot of coaching promotions today. I don't know if you saw this. Yes. Uh, Jerry Neuheisel, our guy, becoming the passing game coordinator. He's attaching that to his current position of being the wide receiver coach. You got Tim Drevno being the run game coordinator now. And then you got Cody Whitfield, who did a fantastic job with the secondary uh, last year. He's now the special teams coordinator. Which one of these promotions intrigues you the most as somebody that covers UCLA football? Well, I think there's one that doesn't surprise me at all. And then there's one that surprises me a lot. And the one that doesn't surprise me at all is, is New Heisel going to, to, you know, passing game coordinator. I think there's a natural progression there when you talk about being the wide receivers coach and being able to sort of expand your scope. And I think this is another testament here. And I'm not trying to be overly pro-chip in any way. I think you and I have been very fair over the last few weeks and months. But he is very good at being able to promote and empower his staff to have more responsibility year over year and get them in a situation to be better coaches and either be sort of significantly promoted in-house or get the opportunity for better jobs elsewhere. And so in that regard, I think he's a very good boss, actually, when it comes to the staff. I mean, think about the D.C. position. Think about Deshaun Foster getting an opportunity with the Raiders. Think about now these young men getting more on their plate to show their resume in a more significant way to either have expanded roles at UCLA or outside. So I think it's important that we recognize the positives, too. The positives aren't always very popular when it comes to Chip, but you have to sort of recognize them when they do come. New Heisel, I think, is given just his sort of energy, his enthusiasm, the work that he's done with the receivers when it comes to kind of the likes of the Jake Bobos, you know, on down uh, the list. I think it's going to be a very exciting year with with J. Mike and with Kyle Ford and Logan Loya and everybody that's coming back. So I think there's sort of a natural progression here to say, look, I, I, I sort of have jurisdiction over these big time vertical threats. Let me put more of a, a, an arc in my English and my emphasis on the passing game. And so really excited about that. The one that surprises me a little bit, Will, is Drevno. And, yeah. uh, you know, him sort of augmenting the offensive line with the running back coordinator and the running game coordinator, I should say. That one's a little bit surprising. Now, at face value, again, it's a pretty natural fit in terms of Chip's system. It's all about zone read and the zone read scheme. So there's a natural synergy and tie between offensive line and running back. So at sort of a schematic level, it makes sense that that becomes something that Drevno do as sort of an evolution for himself. But, and you and I kind of talked about this offline, Will, 
2022 was a phenomenal year for Drevno in terms of the the evolution of the offensive line. If you did this in 20 at the end of the 22 season, I don't think anybody would really bat an eye. But the fact that this is happening after the 23 season, a year where the offensive line really didn't come along the way they did in 22, where they stayed flat, you could argue maybe they even regressed over the course of the season, just given how none of the quarterbacks could even stay upright, get in any sort of a rhythm, stay injury-free, and the offense never really found an identity. So to have Drevno now take that on along with the yeah. the running running game coordinator makes you sort of wonder, A, can he handle it? B, if he can't handle it, was this the right thing to do? Or C, is this still very much Chip controlling the offense and giving these guys just a little pieces, some morsels, and giving them kind of a title but really sort of controlling more of the offense. So those are the thoughts that kind of come to mind, Will, uh, when I see this. Yeah, I think with New Heisel to start, it's just such a natural progression right now because we see him as being a future coach. Darren Giovarini, who's actually now a head coach on his own in Oklahoma, uh, one of the D2 universities out there, he told me the first time we talked, he's like, that guy's going to be a head coach. Like, it's happening. He's got everything you would want in a young coach, the energy, the optimism, and how he teaches his players how to interact and learn the playbook. So you got that going for you already, and then you just add more elements so you can be an offensive coordinator next, and then the next progression after that is the head coach. So it's exciting. I think we've you've shared your dream of Jerry Neuheisel eventually taking over the reins at some point for UCLA, which I'm all for. I want to see this guy coaching it up. Hopefully with Deshaun Foster as his OC coming back in, that'd be a very, very awesome situation. So Jerry Neuheisel, very, very excited with what's going on there. With Drevno, it's almost like we have too much of a leak going on at one position where I don't want him to be focused on anything else. I want him to just right. focus on the offensive line. That is persona non grata. I mean, that the holes in that line last year prevented this offense from doing anything right Likely got Garbers injured a couple of times back there, as well as Dante Moore. I mean, we didn't get a lot of transfers in the transfer portal to come in and really help that out. So you're dealing with the same group. So it's it's on you to get this group right this year. You know, you got it with Mafia. You had it with Gaines. Those are guys that are in the NFL, and I get it, and you did a good job with them. Last year was a free fall from that. So, like, figure that out and then maybe take on more elements – but that, I mean, even for this next season, I can't even say the UCLA offense is going to be as dynamic as I think it is because I haven't seen the line yet. We knew this in spring, and they didn't even improve. Like, figure it out, man. So from somebody from this standpoint, you got to address the line. You got to fix that first before going down your checklist of what needs to be taken up. And, I mean, worst-case scenario, just have Chip be the run game coordinator. He basically has been, you know, for the entirety of his career. So I – I mean, do you think that's fair if Chip just held on to the run game coordinator position? I, I think so, Will. I, I can't imagine, just given everything that we've talked about, that Chip isn't really going to control this running game and really control this offense with Jerry Neuheisel's input in the passing game. I think this almost feels like, hey, I've promoted some other younger guys. I'm going to sort of promote you two in terms of title just to sort of elevate the culture of the staff in a certain way. Uh, I'm reminded a lot about my dad's statement when it comes to sort of Fortune 20 companies and the, the line goes screw up and move up and it can't help. I can't help but feel Drevno has fallen under that category given the type of 2023 yet. I mean, this it was 
you know, you and I are kind of sugarcoating it because we're 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 nice about that. But this was not a very good year for Drevno in terms of the offensive line. It was kind of a disaster. They regressed. There was no development. There was no improvement. There was no identity. There really wasn't anything consistent in terms of scheme, in terms of player development or what have you. So the answer to that is, well, he's not doing his core job well. Let's give him more to do. You know, I mean, it just doesn't quite sit right there in terms of what's really going on. So I want to kind of give the benefit of the doubt here that this is maybe just a promotion in title only because the other guys were getting promoted. And maybe there's a situation where, look, if you don't kind of give him this additional title, maybe he leaves. And now you're in a situation where you got to get another offensive line coach at this point in the year. So maybe there's a little bit of that going on behind the scenes. But I have a hard time believing Ship being kind of the cerebral guy that he is, is going to be giving up too much uh, of this running game to Tim Drevno. I mean, I just, there's so much of the Chip offense is predicated on the running game. I almost think of this title, Will, in a lot of ways, the way Cliff Kingsbury's role was at USC last year with Lincoln Riley. It was like, well, he was an offensive analyst. You know, he was sort of a, uh, you know, sort of in, adv- in an advisory capacity. What he actually did was sort of fluffy at the edges because Lincoln Riley was the offensive coordinator at USC. And I think there's a similar situation here where I think there's sort of a title in place, but let's not, you know, mistake it. I mean, Chip Kelly is the offensive coordinator of this team. That's the the bread and butter of Chip Kelly in terms of the thing that he's actually good at. So I have a hard time believing uh, Drevno is going to have a significant say uh, in the run game, the way Jerry Neuheisel will in the pass game. Yeah, Fortune 20 failing upwards. This is the lost <laughs> Roy child from succession as Tim Drevno. I mean, come on, man. That that offensive line was, you know, chaotic last year, as I've said many of times. So, yeah, the last to- thing we want, Will, is for yeah. Tim Drevno, like in the middle of a game, to come to chip the way Roman did in succession when the satellite oh, blew God. up, where he's like, listen, I, I pushed for this, okay? <laughs> And then the satellite blows up, and then you're like, well, you know, is it really that bad, Chip? You know, <laughs> that the satellite blew up, we can't run the word minus seven rushing at halftime. Is it really that bad? You know, so. yeah, he's crying <laughs> at the like, they're having like the open meeting for the running backs in the group. He starts openly crying in the middle of the speech, <laughs> Roman Roy did, you know, at his dad's funeral. So, I mean, just, just get the O line right, and then we could talk about some other stuff, Drevno. That's my point on that front. Let's talk some basketball, man. UCLA basketball, this has been kind of a revelation on what Mick Cronin has done since that embarrassing Utah loss. The team has really come together. They've won five of their last six. They just beat the both Oregon schools that were in town this past weekend. Dylan Andrews is blossoming into maybe a first or second team all-pack 12 player right now is what it's looking like. 20.7 assists. In that ball game, like I said, Stefanovic is hitting his shots. He's getting rebounds out there. Bona, that kind of feels like the big three, as we talked about previously. And, you know, even guys like Sebastian Mack are kind of taking a back seat with this kind of new look Bruins team. Talk to me, man. It's a lot of excitement coming down. We made a prediction earlier, Madman, that if they made a run like where they are right now, they'd have a shot in the conference tournament, and then anything's possible after that. It's certainly looking to play out, as you stated it earlier in this earlier in the season, my guy. Well, Thriller, this is very exciting. This is starting to feel a little bit like 
the 2020 season, the the year before the first four to final four run, the the season that got kind of cut short with COVID. Again, it was a rough UCLA start, but they found a way to end up 19 and 13, 12 and six in the conference. Got the second in the conference that year, despite the shaky start. This feels classic Mick Cronin midseason to late season run. Will you said it best? I mean, winners of five of their last six, the lone loss being the the game at Arizona in yeah, yeah. McHale up 19. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. They're, they're maybe eight or nine minutes away over the last six games to having won six in a row. And now here you are, got to 500 on the season, 11 and 11, and now they're over 500 in conference at six and five, Will. And, and you said it best, the identity of this team has been formed now. And Dylan Andrews, we've we've been yearning for the for the point guard all year, and the point guard has arrived. And one thing that I've loved about Dylan Andrews the last couple of games, Will, is he is now starting to become the unquestioned leader of this team. And he understands it, and the teammates understand it. And I think that he's starting to get that great point guard awareness over the course of a game of when do I need to score and when do I need to facilitate. And I thought he was absolutely brilliant at the end of the Oregon game UCLA was up seven, nine points. They were up nine. Everything looked kind of comfortable in the second half. They had their own tip on to make it seven. Oregon came down, hit a couple shots. It was down to a two-point game. It was tied. And then Andrews comes in, hits huge shots, both in the mid-range as well as from three to really seal that game along with Stefanovic and his huge rebounds and his timely free-throw shooting. Um, it was absolutely sensational to see, Will. He is developing. He can get to the mid-range sort of at will in terms of that one-two dribble, left-to-right crossover, get to the elbow. That is always there for him. And now he's just very calm and fluid in his motion, and he's getting guys involved. And I love Stefanovic's game, Will. It's changed. You see just the number of dribbles has gone way down over the course of the season. He's gone from a James Harden style to a Klay Thompson style. I mean, it's just it's literally one dribble and he's either pump faking dribble up for the mid-range or he's dribbling to the side to stay at the three and go up with it. And if it's not there, he's kicking it back out. You know, he's coming off of these curls on the mid-range. He's really just staying balanced and doing some great things. And then in a game where Bono was in foul trouble, Bono was also sort of banged up. And, and he comes in there and helps out with the defensive boards to the two and the 15 points and the 10 big rebounds to close that game. So Stefanovic and Andrews kind of being the anchor in the backcourt. Bona causing havoc uh, in the middle, you know, with his defensive rebounding, with his block shots, and just being a huge presence up front. And now it seems like, Will, especially with this last game, Sebastian Mack now coming along. You know, at the start of the year, it was really kind of his team, his show. Now he kind of took a real step back. But you saw the elements in that Oregon game. He came in, was very aggressive did some very nice things en route to a double-figure performance. And it always takes four guys, Will. It takes four guys in college basketball. Uh, You know, you need four guys that are capable of getting you 15 any night. And now it seems like between Andrew, Stefanovic, Mack, and Bona, they have their four. And then you've got some really nice rotational players with the likes of Williams, and Burke, John Vide getting involved, McClendon Mara, getting involved. Mara's got some confidence. Mara's getting involved. I mean, Mara, yeah. you know, with, with some of the, the, the rim runs there and having some really nice moves, even the last game he just couldn't finish earlier in the game, was absolutely phenomenal. So it's all coming together, Will. They're starting to believe. The defense is obviously their calling card, and now it's all about the timely offense. 
And we said it best, Will. This is a run to the Pac-12 tournament. Look, this team is sitting six and five in the Pac-12. The number one team in the Pac-12, Arizona, has three losses. Okay, so they're two back in the loss column. There's two teams with four losses, Oregon and Washington State. And then everybody else has five losses or more. So you're in a situation, you're right in the thick of it. And what you really want to do is you want to get one of those top four spots because it gets you a buy in the Pac-12 tournament. And so rather than having to win four games in four days, which is such a Herculean effort, if you get one of those buys, you're down to three wins in three days. And so you, you're, you have a, you're one good long weekend away from making it to the NCAA tournament in a, in a conference that doesn't have another top 25 team outside of Arizona, and you just had them on the ropes in McHale, and you don't have to play them in McHale again. So this is really exciting, Will, moving forward of where this team can be. Obviously, the Bay Area trip coming up this weekend, but if they can find a way to at least split the Bay Area trip this weekend, it's a home-heavy schedule to close things out. This is a team that can make a run not just to win the Pac-12 in the regular season, but at the very least, finish top two. And who would have thought that uh, just two weeks ago? So kudos to Mick Cronin and these players for really galvanizing and coming together. This is a special time here to watch this resilient group evolve over the course of the season. Yeah, Cronin is earning his paycheck in the last six games. He's been sensational getting the guys back on track after what we've talked about on air, I mean, it was one of the most embarrassing losses in the history of UCLA basketball. So just to kind of correct the ship that fast after something like that, very, very impressed. And I'll be honest, I don't know if I've seen a turnaround of any player like Dylan Andrews has done this year. I mean, he has completely altered his game. You know, I really have just started paying attention. I followed the team last year. I know Andrews was a bench guy. Comes into this season and – you know, he looked just off ball. I'm going to stay in the corner to shoot a three. And, you know, it's it was very Will McClendon-ish in a way. You know, you just didn't see him. He's an ISO player. And the fact that this guy's developed not only into our best passer and playmaker, but also as a guy that's going to get you 15 to 20 a night, it's been very, very fun to watch what Dylan Andrews is doing because – he has totally remade his game, and the team is just benefiting from it in so many different ways. So, Dylan Andrews, hats off to you, man. Keep it up. We're not through the thick of it yet, so keep going. Keep going. I think we can sweep the Bay Area this weekend, man, so I'm excited to see that. We'll be following in Vegas. Maybe you have to put some tasty little bets down using our friends at Underdog Fantasy and Bet Online. Madman, so great to have you on. So great to be seeing you this week, dude. We're going to have a blast. We're going to have at least one in-person Bruin Bible this week, so stay tuned. Carson Steele couldn't be here tonight. That was going to be the big guest, but I think we're going to have a little guy named Eric Kendricks maybe coming on this week as he's going to be at Super Bowl week, so that's going to be big. And Carson will be coming on soon. Maybe some other names. We'll keep you guys in the loop. Bruin Bible, we are officially out. We'll be talking to you guys very, very soon. Four 